Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. Jokic behind his back. What a take by Jokic. Your center. Wow. Funded show. I am Zach Mikosh, DenverStiffs.com. It is 4 p.m. on a beautiful Saturday here in Denver, Colorado. You are listening to Nothing But Net Radio, part of the Dash Radio Network. Uh, if this is your guys' first time listening to the show and you haven't figured it out, this is a Denver Nuggets show. We're going to talk all things Denver Nuggets. Yes, their season is over, but there is still plenty to get to. And we'll probably get to some regular NBA stuff as well. So, with that said, let's bring in our co-hosts first out in sunny, I assume, sunny California. It is Mike Olson. Mike, what's going on? Uh, you you assume correctly. It's <laughs> Shockingly, it's it's going to be in the 80s again today in L.A. I, uh, I, I feel like I'm in Groundhog Day out here, but but uh, in an enjoyable way. It's, uh, it's a fairly safe bet to go with sunny California, you know. It really is, yeah. If I was a gambling man, you know, I could have gone, oh, out in foggy, <laughs> somewhat dreary California, yeah. but that is not, yeah. not the you'd, case. You'd have lost that bet. Yeah, I'll see. Maybe I am a gambling man. I only make the smart ones. There you go. Uh, also with us today out in, <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's sunny there as well. I'm down in Dallas. Uh, it is Evan Fiala. Evan, what's going on, man? Not much. It is, in fact, a sunny day here, so... You would have been two for two. Oh man! All right. I'm going to. I'm headed to. I'm headed to Vegas after this. Let me tell you. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, for our show, uh, for our show this week, we've been. If you guys have been listening to the show, thank you very much. Uh, and we have been kind of doing a theme here the past couple weeks where we we go ahead and we review uh, a couple seasons uh, of some players. And then we spend the second part of the show talking about the uh, NBA playoffs and where those are at right now. That is what we're going to do this show as well. We will start off with Paul Millsap's season, uh, and then we will talk about Wilson Chandler. That will round out. That means we'll have gone through all of the starters, so next week we can start on the bench. Uh, and then um, in the second half, you know, like I said, we'll talk about the, the NBA playoffs. Uh, I think a couple of interesting storylines going on there right now. So, without further delay, let us get started. Let's get into Paul Millsap. Uh, the, of course, major free agent acquisition. Probably the biggest... This isn't this isn't on the rundown, but I want to ask you guys. It's like, is, is Kenyon Martin the last time we had a free agent signing like this? I think so. I, I think, I mean, that that's the one that rings a bell, at least for me, um, not only from a, you know, positional perspective, but just from a, a scope and size of, of bringing somebody in to try to make an impact. That's that's very reminiscent of when we brought Kmart in and, and frankly, even weirdly reminiscent of, uh, you know, a first season of kind of trying to get all the pieces to fit together, too. So, right. right. That's a good point. That's a very good point. What's was it because Kenyon? I think Kenyon came Melo's second year, right? He wasn't there um, his rookie year, and then he came on the second year, and that was the year also that the Nuggets got off to a really rough start uh, and fired Coach uh, Coach Bizdelic, and then went on that crazy run with George Carl. 
uh, to get into exactly. the playoffs. So yeah, you're right. It did. It yep. was. It, it took quite a bit. Of, a bit of time to get him. Um, get him integrated. Evan, do you agree, man? Do you think that's like is Kenya Martin the or or is Paul Millsap even a bigger signing than Kenya Martin was? Ooh, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think they're both pretty timely signings, I guess. But you know, Paul Millsap was coming into a team that has already kind of kind of figured some stuff out, I guess. And with Melo, they were kind of still needing that one big piece, whereas Millsap was kind of just like an extra layer of right. That's a good point. You know, of a good star player, I guess. But. Yeah, I mean, they're both, they're both really big signings, but yeah, I would agree that Martin's the last, like, big one that Denver's had. So when you think about that, that was, what, 13 years in between those two signings. That gives you an idea of what kind of free agents the Nuggets attract. Um, so, uh, <laughs> staying with what we've been doing, every every guy we kind of, we, the very first thing we look at, uh, if we don't get sidetracked like we did there, um, everything we, we, we look at, the first thing we look at is, was the season a success, a failure, or kind of par for the course? Uh, most everybody so far have been like, you know, it's a success or you might say it's par for a course just because you expected the guy to succeed. Millsap's probably the first one you, you, ah, I'd probably say it was somewhat of a failure just because nothing really he did other than the fact that he was just hurt, uh, for so long, you know, like we were talking, he was supposed to be this big signing for the Nuggets. And then, uh, as it turns out, I mean, he had some impactful moments and he was there down the stretch, but he was definitely not a hundred percent down the stretch. That I thought was painfully obvious. Not mm. to, uh, no pun intended. But um, <laughs> and 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 so you never. I think we really never got full Millsap because even when he was healthy at the beginning of the season, like we were also talking about, there was that like integration period, and it seemed like right when they were about to figure it out, uh, that's when he got hurt, and and then the the whole, his whole season was just kind of derailed because of that. So I mean, by no fault of his own. Uh, I would have to say that his season was probably would be considered a failure. Mike, what, what's your thoughts on it? You know, I mean, <clears throat> there. You think about how the season played out for him, right? I think he what did he play thirty eight games in total for us? Right. Um, and, and so I think I think the two stats that that at least lean that direction to me, Zach, are I mean, thirty eight games was far and away the lowest total of his career. I mean, that definitely is is a letdown compared to what you expect. Just from an from an output perspective, and a lot of I mean, you look at a lot of his advanced stats, and and that's where, compared to the rest of his career totals, things really, you know, kind of drop off. And and I'm sorry, I'm trying to pull this back up because I'd looked at it last night when I learned we were talking about this. Um, yeah, I mean, things like, you know, his his value over replacement player numbers are are historically low for him right. um and and as and and lower than they were in like his first two seasons but that's that's as close as it comes to what he had this last year and i think a big part of that is you've you've got his season almost split in half he's he's got a he's got a bit of play at the beginning and a bit of play at the end and in each of those cases it took a good you know five to 10 games just to get him really worked back in and everybody working efficiently together. If, if you just take the two times that then everybody's working together well, things look pretty good. Everywhere else, uh, you know, between being out and, and adjusting, it was it was a rough year for it, for sure. Right, right. Yeah, no, I, and that's a, that's a good point you bring out because it's not, not just the, the games missed. Because, yeah, if you look at some of those uh, advanced numbers that are, you know, um, that aren't aren't just totals, you know, like you couldn't look at win shares, right? Because win shares is, is cumulative and obviously he only played 38 games, so he was going to have a long, but if you look at win shares per 48 minutes, you know, uh, also his, his worst of his career, even worse, uh, than, than his rookie year and significantly worse. That's the thing too. It's, it's not like it's, oh, just slightly under. I mean, he was, uh, significantly had the worst season, uh, is in his career by, by almost any measure. Uh, I mean, I guess his, his, efficiency wasn't so bad um but everywhere else his his impact was uh was was just not as good as it had been evan uh are you kind of in agreement with me and mike that, that you would have to call the season a failure for Millsap? i don't know if i call it a failure it's almost you know because you yeah you point to all the stats and stuff and he certainly wasn't playing at an all-star like level like everyone expected and hoped for when when Denver brought him in um you almost have to just I'm, I'm more inclined to just like call the season a wash rather than call it a failure. 
kind of not even really count it because him being hurt for so long and then, you know, obviously you're saying, Zach, he, you could clearly tell that he was still not willing to use his left hand or wrist or whatever toward when he did come back in, in March. Um, and so, you know, you look at his season overall and, yeah, he wasn't as good, but um, but then you kind of when you look at what he contributed to the team, though he did, you know, he did bring a defensive presence. He did show up. You know, his numbers with Jokic look, you know, good, not amazing, but they look good. Um, he brings a leadership presence. Yeah, and uh, it just, you know, it's just unfortunate that he was out for 44 games. Because it really makes it hard right. to, to do this evaluation, um, right? But I don't know if I would trade a Paul failure. It's just it's just kind of an unfortunate Washington season, I would say. That's a fair. Uh, no, that's a fair. Uh, a fair assessment. I would. I. Uh, I, I, I kind of like that because you're right. It's like I said, it's hard to call it a failure because it wasn't his fault. I mean, it's nothing that Paul did. It was just Julius Randle came down on his wrist and. Uh, tore a ligament. It's just a really kind of a unfortunate kind of somewhat of a freak injury, really. Because yeah. you think about how many times guys swat down. You know that happens all the time. Um, and for him to for him to tear a ligament on that that was uh, that was a freak injury. Let me ask you this, Evan, though, because when we when not when we when the Nuggets signed uh, Paul Millsap, it was um, it was kind of billed like this is the perfect fit, right? This guy is going to bring up their defense, which he did. Uh, he, he can stretch the floor so he won't clog the lane. You know, he's good at passing so he can also help distribute a little bit. And then when he got here in those first games, it, it was pretty clunky uh, with him playing next to Jokic. Were you surprised by that? Or do you think it's just kind of like, it just in anybody who's playing with Jokic the first time is going to take time to figure that out. Well, there's kind of two sides of that coin. First, yeah, I mean, I think everyone was surprised that it, I, don't, I think a lot of people like underestimated how long it actually takes to play with a new team, playing with the, especially playing with a player like Jokic, who's just so unique. And so, in that regard, no, it wasn't really surprised that he, he struggled a little bit. Um, but I was more surprised at how much Jokic just seemed to defer to Millsap rather than right. kind of just doing what he does. And I don't know if that was more on Malone as well for just kind of coaching. You know, it certainly seemed that way that Malone was trying to force a lot of stuff with Millsap, get him more involved in the offense than, than Jokic was last season. So, you know, it was... It certainly wasn't surprising that it was clunky, but it the timing of it was just so bad too. Because like right around November, when they would play a few games together, the season was kind of getting going. It was when he got hurt, so it was really kind of hard to to see, you know, the true duo of Jokic and Millsap. Right, right, like right, right when they started to finally build up that momentum, then it all just got sapped right out of yeah. them. But we did get to see it at the end of the season. I think when they went on that. Street the last like two weeks of the year, they looked pretty good together. Right, and that's even playing with a uh, uh, like we said, a Millsap that's not at not at a hundred percent. What about you, Mike? Uh, do you kind of have that same feeling? Uh, is is it tough? Just tough to play with Jokic? Is it all just kind of the injury and all that put together, uh, or or is there something legitimate here about that makes you concerned about pairing Millsap and Jokic on the court together? Really, I mean, I really loved Evan's assessment. First off, I think uh, you know, to me. From the perspective of looking at Millsap's season, it really isn't. It's it's less a failure and more of an incomplete. You know, in, in reminiscing about my old college grading, um, but but he he definitely you know um, he he came in and and brought at least the you know the defensive presence really changed for the team when he was on the floor, and and that was a big deal. That that also reminds me a ton of when they brought Kmart in. Right? Is is it's very much a they, they they brought him for a reason, and at least at least in that regard, um, things things shifted to the positive when he was out there. And and I think, you know, you you look at you look at the way Jokic's game works, and and some of how just the the timing is is absolutely perfect, right? He he's he's threading needles that that barely exist when he's throwing those passes, and he's throwing it, you know, he's bouncing it to a guy's hand that's the guy's preferred hand, right? I mean that's 
that's how sort of specific Jokic gets in, in being able to do what he does and, and make it that special. Um, it, it, in that regard, no, it doesn't really surprise me that it took, it took a little while for that to sync up because that's, I mean, that's, you're talking about, you know, really laser refined type of things and, and to be doing that at that sort of speed with, with other guys trying to make sure that you don't, um, it, it wasn't a surprise that it took a little while. It was more of a surprise that it took a while the second time around. And maybe that was just Millsap coming back faster than, than maybe he should have for the wrist. Cause he never looked like he really trusted it the rest of the year. But, um, the, the second time when he came back and they were struggling again to sort of find a rhythm, that was a little bit more of a surprise than, than the first go out of the gates. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I would agree with that too. And it was kind of, kind of what, uh, what Evan mentioned there too about, about coach Malone. It, you know, I, I, I get where he's coming from. You pay a guy $30 million. It's Paul Millsap. He's a former, he's a, you know, he's been an all-star. He's, he's certainly going to be one of the best players on your team. Um, I get what you want to get him touches, but it was kind of interesting when he came back that they were still somewhat trying to do that at least at least for the first couple games. Then I think Jokic kind of figured it out. Jokic and Malone both, and they said, "All right, it's it's Jokic ball, and that's and Paul's just going to have to work around that." Um, but it was it was kind of interesting that to see them try and go back to that again, especially when you knew he wasn't a hundred percent because it's. It just didn't. I don't know. It, it didn't seem like it had a high chance for success. So I, I, I do agree with you that that was that was interesting. I don't necessarily think that those two guys can't play together either. I think, um, I do think Paul Millsap is a really good good fit next to Jokic. It's it's just a matter. It, it, to me, it's more of a matter of of Jokic's development. Like he said early on in the year, you know, that he too was was uh, always thinking about how you know he needed to defer to Paul because Paul is such a good player and all that. Um, which which is true. Paul is a really good player, but Jokic is Jokic is the team. Jokic is everything. I mean, and 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 Jokic is a better player, especially on offense. Um, he's not a better player on defense, but he's definitely a better player on offense. Um, and and so that that's he's got to be the focal point of everything. And and I think if anything, Millsap's injury, if there's a silver lining this year, it's that Jokic kind of had to be forced to then go back to figuring out how to be the, be the alpha guy and, and be the guy who's uh, the cog for everything. And, and then at the very end of the season, we saw how he figured out how to do that with Millsap on the floor. Um, and so, so I, I'm, I'm optimistic uh, for next season that these, these guys will really hit their stride and they will be, be a really impactful duo. Um, the thing is though, after yes. next season, go ahead, Mike. No, no, please go. <laughs> I was gonna say after next season, um, there's a team option. Oh, is one of you guys in like a garage or something? Is that? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. There's motorcycle always drive by here. Sure, sure. Evans out. Just making Evans your life harder than editor. Track it, man. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, man, I got to do this podcast, awesome. then I got to tune the bike. It's going to be a big Saturday. Yeah. All right. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that was good. Uh, all right. Uh, so Millsap could be – he could be gone um, next after next season, right? The Mikers have a team option. They could elect to decline that and, and make him an unrestricted free agent. So, Mike, I'll ask you this. What do you think the chances are that happens? What are what are the chances that this upcoming year is the final year uh, of Millsap in a Nuggets uniform? I mean, I I think it actually goes back to your last question a little bit, right? I um, so there were two really solid stretches this last season where Millsap and Jokic really looked to be clicking. Um, one of those is at the end of the year, and and I think. <clears throat> If if they don't come out of the gates with that type of struggle, if if they're if they're clicking as soon as they start this next season, and that's something that they can work throughout the better part of next year, barring injuries or anything like that, um, I, I don't necessarily think so. Um, I, I think the only thing that gets troublesome there is the Nuggets are really starting to you know now that they're going to need to work Jokic into the scheme and everything, they're going to be pressing up against the salary cap, so there's going to be some considerations there. From a how much can you afford Millsap from there, and how much have the guys behind him come along? Um, but but if he's really clicking, I could easily see the Nuggets extending him out another couple of years. Um, if things get off to a rough start again this next year, um, I I think there's no doubt that they kind of scrub this this experiment. So 
Mm, all right, no doubt. Uh, yeah, I can I can see that too. If yeah, if if things aren't going well, um, they, then then definitely you would you would look to to move. You also have Trey Lyles, who, you know, if he continues to improve, might um, might just demand more minutes. You know, just by his play, uh, and and that could that could muddy things up. You do bring up the great point though, right? It's it's not so much I think about fit or or whether or not you want Paul Millsap. I think they definitely do. It's about that thirty million dollars. And if you're going to pay Jokic, uh, and then uh, you would assume uh, you've got Jamal Murray kind of on the horizon as well uh, the following season, um, you're going to start to run out of uh, out of cash, or it's going to get really expensive because you're going to get into being well into the luxury tax. And of course, with the new rules, uh, once you get into the luxury tax, then you start the repeater clock. So if you continue to be in the luxury tax, it just gets more and more expensive. That could be the problem. Uh, Evan, do you see that as the problem? The main problem with trying to retain Millsap is is just the the contract and the dollar value. Yeah, for sure. When you're paying someone that much money, of course, it's always going to be an issue. Um, but I'm going to take the opposite approach here. I think it's about a zero percent chance that this is his final season as an Nugget. I think, especially as long as uh, you know Tim Connolly and Carlos Elvis are in charge, they have a History of resigning players and doing all sorts of things like that, aka Pony, um, <laughs> where you know if they like the guy, they like his fit, they like his locker room presence. Millsap knocks all three of those. He's a great, you know, great veteran leader. Uh, I think for sure he'll be in. I don't know, is, will they be able to with the team option? Can they like restructure the contract at all? You know, or yeah, that, can they like so? Could they do? Is that something they, they could do? Because like, I could see them trying to do that, maybe knock some dollars off. Right, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure with the team option. I don't think they can. I don't think like yeah, they, it's not like they could like decline the team option and then offer an extension uh, for maybe a lower dollar amount. I don't think they can do that. I think they're gonna have to. Would, uh, so for sure, it'd be thirty million. Right, they'd either have to decline that. They'd have to decline the team option and let him hit free agency and just try and renegotiate there. Um, or they just have to take the thirty million for for the 2019-2020 uh, season, and then they could offer an extension um, to him at, at, for for mm-hmm. seasons after that at a lower dollar amount. I'm pretty okay. sure. Don't I? If somebody gets up in the comments and, and wants to correct that, if they know differently, by all means. But I, I'm pretty sure that's how it's going to yeah. work out. Because I can see them trying to do that too. Right? Okay. And I don't know. If, you know, I don't know if Millsap will have much value in the free agent market. Year from now, when he's still in his mid thirties, you know. But, right, right. Certainly not thirty million dollars worth. Yeah. Of time. And you wonder, I mean, for for Millsap, and you look at it just from his perspective, right? This is this is probably age wise, career wise. You even look at his stats. This is probably his last shot at a really. This is his last shot at a decent sized deal, and and I think Evan makes a great point there. You you don't know who else would be even competing in the market, so he's going to be looking at it from the perspective of you know do I have, do I have a shot at one more uh, really you know solid deal out of all of this, and and where could it come from besides the Nuggets? Not that he's looking to get away, just more of a. You know, it we we may be yet again the only suitors, which was a big part of why we got him here. Um, in, in the first place, right? Right, right, yeah. Or or the Nuggets might be willing to give him not maybe maybe they're not going to willing to give him thirty million dollars, but they might be willing to give him two million dollars more than anybody else's. You know what I mean? And then um, yeah. because of that, uh, he goes. I mean, obviously he's got to have a little bit of a comfort level here in Denver, uh, being that he does have some familiarity when he was uh, uh you know when he was a kid uh, living here. Um, now that he's been here for you know for a season, a second season, and when you think about Millsap as a guy. Uh, who he's only played three for three teams his entire career, and he didn't want to leave Atlanta. Atlanta was just wasn't going to uh, retain him. They were going to move on. You know, he he said uh, repeatedly that his first choice would have been Atlanta, but they didn't they didn't offer him any sort of deal. So um, then he had to, you know, then he had to move on. So he's a loyal guy, I guess is what I'm getting at. He, he and he doesn't seem like he's a type of guy. Uh, who wants to move around? Plus, you know, the other thing that comes with being 32, 33, 34 years old is he's got a family, you know, and he's got he's got kids who are in school, and and you don't want to you don't want to keep moving people around or going somewhere and being away from your family if you can avoid it. So I think there's a lot of reasons uh, for him to come back to Denver. 
uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. I, I think it's definitely a storyline to follow all over next season. How he performs, um, and then how that affects his team option. It's certainly going to be uh, one of the more fun storylines, or, or at least intriguing storylines, to follow next season. Uh, let's let's move in. Let's or move on to our next um, our next player eval, which is this one's going to be an interesting man, Wilson Chandler. So, again, going back to the thing, thing success, failure, par for the course, I'm going to say, I know a lot of people might want to point at Wilson Chandler's season. Um, they're going to, the, the things they're going to remember is the beginning of the year and then game 82, right? Those then, And if you look at that, you would say his season is a failure. He did have a really good uh, stretch there right after the trade deadline up until the last game of the season where he played really well. To me, I, I say this is par for the course just because uh, Wilson, I mean, last season... Uh, you know, the season before this one, he, there was a lot of grumblings, right? A lot of smoke there about him being unhappy, uh, being on the team. There was a, there was a tweet that came out. Um, I guess I can probably say this. There was a tweet that came out, uh, about him being, you know, saying that he, he wanted to be traded right after the deadline. He shouted that in the locker room. Um, and of course it was taken down. That, uh, that, that, that is factual. I'll just say it. Uh, they, he did say that. So, um, I was there, but, uh, it's, uh, it's a different, it's, it seemed like he had buried that hatchet, right? And he had, um, he had made amends with coach and was happy. His role was very defined this year. He was the starting small forward. There was no doubt that that, that was what he did. So he got a lot of what he asked, for but then at the same time he struggled i mean he didn't he didn't play very well uh for uh, the beginning of the season for pretty much the first half of the season and then after the deadline suddenly he picked it up whether that was because he was you know just relieved to finally to know that he was not going to get traded and that he was staying in denver whether that was because he's looking at the fact that he's got a player option uh that maybe he wanted to test the market and so he needed to step his game up so because his his contract values were kind of taken or his value on the market was taking a tank i don't know you know that then that's why i say it's par for the course because this is just kind of what you expect with wilson he has some great moments he has some moments where he's a ghost um but he no matter what like he he, it's just kind of what you expect for them to have that kind of up and down season um and and just kind of be uh, be that that's that guy who's who's that fifth starter. I think that that's pretty much what what was expected of him this year, and, and that's what we got. And then, how would you rate Wilson's season? It, it was a frustrating year for him. I think and a lot of the reasons you mentioned, you know, the whole want to be trading thing, whether that was real or not. Um, I think a lot of people, at least I know, going into the season. Um, he had a great year last year. He averaged 15.7 points a game up the bench. He was a cons- like, considered six-man-of-the-year candidate for much of last season, two seasons ago now. Um, and then you see, you know, Gallo leaves, and he's very clearly, like, the starting small forward. He played great with Jokic in 2016-2017. So I think his expectations were very high to be sort of that, you know, second or third option on offense to get his points and stuff. And he didn't really live up to that. Um, but I think he did a lot of things that, you know, on the court that don't really aren't like, you know, sexy stats. He was a great rebounder. He, he played defense. He, uh, and for all the talk about, you know, him wanting, not wanting to be here or whatever, I never really, I wouldn't say he like ever just like quit on the team or anything. He just, there were moments where he kind of just like lapsed and that he didn't, it's not like it wasn't like hustling or anything, you know? So I, I think uh, he had a better season than, than it looks like, I would say. Um, but it is hard to, to look at, you know, the last game and see how little he impacted that game. <laughs> yes. And see zero points. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of, there's no, the one, one basket would have, in theory, you know, won the game for him. Right, right, yeah, no, that and, and that that is a good point though. He does do a lot of the 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 grindy stuff, right? I mean, he um, he and and that's what I was kind of getting at is is maybe he wasn't uh, you know he wasn't piling in points. And, and you're right, there was that somewhat of an expectation of that because somebody had to fill that void 
that Gallo left, and then especially when Millsap went down, uh, they really needed him to try and step up there, and, and he didn't as much, but he did, like you said, he crashed the boards. He also is, is one of their better defenders. They, they would um, fairly consistently put him on uh, a, a wing, a talented offensive wing player, if not the best wing player on the other team, um, and have him guard them just because he, his length and his, his athleticism um, and his effort on that end gave him, uh, gave him, you know, gives them an advantage. Uh, Mike, what about you? Do you kind of, would you, would you agree with Evan that he, he was doing a lot of stuff off the court or not off the court, a lot of the stuff on the court that you, uh, that you maybe not notice. And, and so for that reason, you kind of have to look at his season as, as not a failure and, and as a, you know, I, I mean, I guess, like I said, par for the course. Boy, I don't, I, I don't know. Um, I, I love Wilson and I love, I love Wilson's game. I love the fact that Wilson can, can show up on both offense and defense uh, like like almost nobody else on the team, um, you know he's 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 a two way guy to to the nth degree, and and I've always really loved that about his game. But I don't know. I mean, this this last season, he his you, you look at a lot of his stats and they don't change, um, but but his efficiency just went went out the window. And you go back to some of the stuff like his per thirty six numbers, and and it's. I mean, most of those totals are the are the lowest of his career and by a wide margin. And and the part of that that I don't understand is is a lot about the you know whatever's going on from a from the 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 mental approach of it. You know, he to your point, he wanted to be the starter for the longest time. He definitely played like he earned it. Um, I was one of the first people saying I actually didn't think there was going to be a huge drop off. Um, from from Gallo basically because I thought Chandler really had been wanting this so long he was really going to sort of step up into the moment and and instead you know I, the the part of this that I don't like to say is is you know he he gets the starters role he does not step up into the moment you know we get to the end of the season and it's win and you're in and and he doesn't step up into the moment and and you have these moments of you know, I'm going to I'm going to write a letter to the city of Denver that, that says I want to be here for the rest of my career. And, and everybody loved it. Everybody just right. really thought that was, you know, and, and then you turn around and you're you're barely less than a season past that. And you're hearing, you know, I want to be traded. And it it's just it, I love his game when he's doing the things that he does well. But but man, it seems like everything is so hit and miss or, you know, I, I, I just don't know who I'm getting. And, and that's the part of it that really troubles me, I guess. Right, right. And that was, I think that was why I was trying to point it out uh, when I was saying it was par for the course was because like that, it, that hit or miss thing is almost what you just come to expect from him now, you know, and, and you didn't until last season, but I think last season we really saw, you know, it, it, there was a, there was a mental aspect of it that where if, if he was engaged, um, he played really well. And, and then if he wasn't, he did not And I think, you know, it, Obviously, it's you. You only can speculate on things like on on where a guys at mentally because even you know even when you're in the locker room and asking these guys questions, I mean everything is um, is so pre you know pre prepared and, and and sterilized in a way that it's you're not you know you're not really getting into an insight into into the person themselves. You're getting an insight into how they like to handle a uh, a media interview, uh, if anything. So it's it's tough to tell where he was at mentally, but I think you saw I, it, last year it was easier to figure out because there was all those little things, whether it was like we were talking about in that locker room that one day, or if it was that the, there was like a number of tweets that uh, you know he tweeted out, "I never had a role," and then had to delete that tweet. There were, there were little little things that you could tell that he was he was probably unhappy this year. I don't know necessarily that that was the case, but. When you look at the the results on the on the court were were the same if not worse like you were pointing out Mike so you have to wonder um, if that if that so he was still kind of uh, a bit disgruntled and and really didn't want to be here which is Michael Gobancio on this I mean he's got that player option where he's making twelve point four million next season if he picks it up it's unlikely he's going to get someone to pay him twelve million a season uh, in free agency especially this year with the market. Um, the way it is. That being said, though, he might be somebody might offer him like a three-year, twenty-four million dollar deal or something like that. Um, and and at his age, it might be better to lock in total guaranteed dollars as many as he can get, rather than um, you know how much he can make per year. 
So, uh, I guess to put it bluntly, Mike, do you think he will take the player option and be back next year, or do you think he's going to hit free agency? You know, it's it's funny. I've seen a lot of people say that there's just no doubt he's going to take the option and be back next year because of exactly what you said, that, that he... Uh, He's not going to make that money anywhere else. He's familiar with the team and everything uh, that, that he'll be back. Um, but, but to me, I'm, I'm not so certain of it. And it's not just about a possible total dollars picture down the road. It's also about the fact that, you know, um, it's, it's been a little bit of a bumpy ride here. And, and he really is a little bit of an emotionally volatile guy, at least from what I see. And, and, and as somebody who is similarly built, uh, I, I totally get it. But, but, I also look at that and say, what what does that do for the Nuggets? And I could see, I could see Wilson hitting a point where he's just so tired of hearing the negative stuff coming out of, uh, you know, heck, our our mouths um, and and so many others around the space that I could also see him making the decision to just say, you know, I'm I don't want to be here anymore. And and uh, and and he seems like the type of person that that might actually be the way it goes. So frankly, Zach, this is out of all of them. This is the one, I don't know. I'm, I'm, uh, my, my guess is that he sticks around just to stay for the money, but I'm not sure he's going to be the happiest guy because of it basically. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree a hundred percent. And that would be where I would stand as well as, um, you know, you might, I mean, I could see in, in some ways an argument for a guy just because, like I said, because of his age, uh, just trying to lock in as much guaranteed money as possible, even if he makes less per year, um, but this, because this off season, there's so many teams that have so little cap space to operate in. Uh, it just doesn't seem like the market will be all that great for him, no matter what. So I could see, uh, on that end, him coming back, but I wonder because of, I'm like, I just, does he really want to be here? And, and I guess the test will be, it's like, you know, is it, is it, is it two, three, four million dollars not making that money this next season? Is that worth not being in Denver to him? I don't know the answer to that. I, I honestly don't. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I think he doesn't know the answer to that. I mean, obviously we know that he yeah. doesn't want to come back <laughs> right away. Like he's not all 100% because if he was, he would have already, uh, he would have already picked up his option, which he can do at this point. Um, so it's. It, I think he's got to try and figure out what he wants to do and where he wants to be. The other thing about Wilson, too, is when you think about it, he played for the Knicks. Okay, He got traded to the Nuggets in the Mellow deal. The next season they win 57 games, uh, and then they fall off a cliff. He's had one good season in his entire career, one like full season with a team uh, where they where they went through the whole, the whole gamut and they made the playoffs. And if I... Well, I guess he had two because they they also played the uh, the Lakers in that game seven. But if I remember right, one of those seasons, yeah. I mean, he was he was gone the Lakers year for a lot because he was over in China, so he didn't even play with the team um, for a majority of the year. So I wonder if if like if the Spurs or somebody, I mean, maybe not the Spurs. I guess maybe that standard's out out the door now. But maybe if somebody uh, you know who's got a legit shot at, at, at getting in the playoffs and maybe even getting to the finals, if they came and offered him like the mid-level exception, which I think is like seven, eight million bucks a year, uh, would he take that just because he'd be on a team where he'd have, he'd know he'd get to experience some success? Uh, I wonder about that. Evan, what about you, man? What do you think? Do you think makes... he's back next season? I'm kind of on the same page as both of you guys. It's, I think it's hard. He's probably the player that's hardest to like understand his mindset and anything, not just his contract or whatever. But yeah, I don't. I can see it going either way. Um, because yeah, there's the money, and then one other thing that I think is, was interesting this year is um, I can't remember if he actually like set it on record or anything, but um, he was playing in his mind. He was playing out of position most of the year because I think he say something like he preferred to be like a power forward. And he excelled. Tremendously with Jokic two years ago, and he's playing the four. But this year he was right. no top there. He's playing the three. So I don't know if he necessarily feels like he's a a good fit for how he wants to play and how he feels like he can, he can excel um, necessarily. So I I think it could really go either way. I'm, I really just can't. I could be a coin toss for if you ask me whether I think he'll yeah. come back or not. Um, you know, it's just really up in the air, but. Oh yeah, I, I think we I think we're all on the same page there. Mike, it sounded like you wanted to get in another thought there. 
I, I mean, the part of this is weird to me, and, and actually, I, it kind of ties into what Evan just said. But but the part of this that's really weird to me is is the Nuggets. Out of everything you see that the Nuggets have needs for on the floor, um, the Nuggets need to fill in and, and solidify that small forward spot, right? right? That 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 three spot really needs needs to be nailed down. And and it's funny because Wilson seems like the prototypical guy that you would want in that space, you know. And 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 the part that that kills me is that we're talking about having somebody in that spot who should fit the role really well. Um, we need that spot to be filled in really well, and somehow it's still not being. And to me, the question is: is would you want him back next year? And and, and I, you know, I know that whether you want him back or not is very it doesn't have anything to do with whether or not he is back. But but to me, that you've got a guy who seems like he fits the role. Um, you need that role desperately right now, and I still have serious questions about. I, I don't really know that I do want to see him back next year. That that's the part that really kind of kills me because he he ought to fit it, and and he's just not. And I don't. For for my take, I'm I don't want to keep doing this experiment. Basically, right. Yeah, and and that's a good point too because they. I mean, they need they need Wilson to be good. They they could definitely use uh, a fully engaged. Uh, at his best, Wilson Chandler. That would be a huge uh, benefit to them. But um, if he's not going to do it, then I think then then I'm with you, Mike. It's, then it's it's just not it's just not worth it. And yeah, there's a huge concern if Wilson leaves, who plays small forward? Because as we said, the Nuggets aren't going to have a ton of mobility uh, in terms of cap space. Uh, they also are going to draft mo- in all likelihood are going to end up drafting 14th. Uh, so they're not going to pick up a guy uh, who's going to start day one uh, as a rookie. Uh, so they're in a tough spot there. Will Barton is also uh, a free agent, so you, it it it's so tough because, like you said, you don't you don't want to go through that experiment. But at the same time, you're like, man, there's a potential they could have like zero small forwards on the roster, uh, and and really be in a, in a tough spot. So uh, definitely an interesting one, man. Wilson Chandler is uh, is an enigma as always. I guess the best way to put it. Uh, all right, let's go ahead. Let's let's hit the break, um, and then when we come back, we'll, we'll get off the Nuggets here. We'll talk a little bit about the the NBA playoffs, some kind of uh, fun fun stuff that just came up basically last night, uh, and and then I want to get into, uh, and then then it'll be the end of our show. So we will hit a break and be right. We've all been there. When the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest, that's when disaster strikes. The last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business. Maybe your light suddenly won't turn on, or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling. Heck, maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new AC unit. Whatever your need may be, give Sun Electrical a call. They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate. And he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, baby, you. All right, everybody, welcome back into the Pickaxe Pundit Show. I'm Zach Mikosh. We're here with Mike Olson, Evan Fiala. We talked the uh, the first portion of the show, broke down the seasons of Paul Millsap and Wilson Chandler, and now, like we've been doing for the past few weeks, we're going to dive into the NBA playoffs. Even though the Nuggets aren't there, I think there's a lot of, a lot of fun stuff to talk about. We don't always have to talk about the Nuggets, you know, it's just... Uh, it's just like what we like to do. So That's what um, we like to do. Exactly, exactly. Uh, clearly, <laughs> clearly we uh, clearly we like to do it because we're not doing it for the money. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so last night, uh, or well, two nights ago, 
Uh, LeBron James has has just an unbelievable game uh, against the Toronto Raptors. He beats they beat them again after he pretty much so he pretty much wills the Cavs into the second round on his own. Uh, he ends up he didn't play that great of a game one I thought, but but he still he still does enough to to help get them over the hump in game one in overtime. Uh, nearly won it on the buzzer on like a, a crazy six tenths of a second shot. Uh, and then, and then, um, on, on Thursday night just completely comes out and blows the doors off of him. Uh, and so I was thinking about this because we're always, uh, our, our, our site manager, Adam Adas is a, is a big, big, uh, LeBron fan as am I. Uh, but he always gets so annoyed by, uh, by Michael Jordan, uh, the Michael Jordan supporters or, or people who believe that always want to argue that that Michael Jordan versus LeBron, which so I will always argue it with him just because I know it, it annoys him, but also because I'm a huge Michael Jordan stan myself. But uh, I thought about, you know, you think about Michael and you you go back all those years and, and you think about the teams like you think about the Patrick Ewings and the, the Charles Barkleys and the Reggie Millers. I guess Barkley was really in the finals. But you think about those teams, the Eastern Conference, those with those great players, the the Alonzo Mourning and, and and all these great players who never got to the finals or or only got there when when Michael was was playing baseball, um, and and you 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 think about great seasons that are ruined and, and so I wonder you know do we do we put Kyle Lowry and Demar Derozan kind of on that same level because they're they're the guys who certainly like who knows what this Toronto Raptors team could have been if they didn't run into LeBron every single year in the playoffs what they have uh and they and they um and they don't they, they I don't think that they'll ever get there as long as as long as LeBron is uh is there because if they were going to do it this would have been the season um Evan what about you man do you kind of see that parallel or or is it am I just kind of getting a little too nostalgic for the 90s <laughs> Um, so I wasn't really like watching those games and stuff <laughs> as a strapping three or four year old, but uh, um, God dang it! <laughs> so maybe you guys can answer that a little better. No, but I, all right, all right. We'll just from from your like historical mic. synopsis, yeah, of course, there's that oh. comparison. Like, it's just one more thing to to add to the list of the LeBron versus MJ debate. Um, I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd go as far to say that. You know that these Raptors are equivalent to the you know the star power that like Patrick Ewing and all those guys were, but but I mean it's certainly a it's certainly a, you can, I think you can draw a parallel. Okay, you guys go. Excellent, excellent podcasting <laughs> from Evan. All right, <laughs> Mike, what about you? Uh, shoot, let me let me put my teeth back in here and I can <laughs> I can answer your question after. <laughs> that was good, Evan. Um, I, uh, I think there's, I think there's definitely a corollary and, and so, you know, I look, I'm not, uh, one of the things you said there that was really smart, Zach, is I don't know that I'm necessarily going to compare, you know, the, the Raptors roster, even though those two guys you mentioned are really good to some of, you know, peak MJ, uh, seasons of, of some of the competition he was going up against. But, but I think where the corollary is much more, uh, apt is in that I can't think of two other guys in the league that once they get started, it it just you just it's done. It's it's over. And there was nothing in that third quarter that the Raptors were gonna do a couple of nights ago to make it stop. They tried they tried everything they could think of and he just kept pouring it on. And I can't think of anybody since MJ that really especially in the playoffs that when when he got going that way forget about it you're it's it's all over and and um frankly i'm 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 a big lebron fan as well but i'm sick of seeing him uh make it to the finals frankly i'd, I'd have loved to have seen uh it not work out this year but i'll i'll be danged if it doesn't look like the the path is clear again and he's gonna steamroll his way all the way back um it's 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 frustrating but it's remarkable all at the same time right yeah and i think I mean, I think there is that that point to make is that I don't know that you. It's hard to point to over LeBron's career, especially since he's been going to the finals uh, year in year out. It's hard to think of anybody in the East that has been a, a significant challenge for him uh, in the way that specifically when I think about Michael, I think about the Knicks. I mean, the Pacers were good there uh, towards the back half of that second three peat by the Bulls, but um, it was really the Knicks was that team that it was always. 
Uh, they were always going up against Patrick Ewing and John Starks and Charles Oakley and all those guys. Um, and, and I don't... I just don't know if there's those teams that LeBron's ever faced. Because when you think about it, when I think about the teams that LeBron's faced, the great teams, it's like they're, well, I think about the Celtics. Um, but they beat him uh, in, in the playoffs. That's that's why he ended up going to going to Miami in the first place. Um, and you think about the Pistons, and, and that's similar into Michael in that he got over that hump finally um, of, of beating the Pistons in, in the playoffs. Uh, but there really hasn't been that team like the Knicks or like the Pacers uh, that that had these Hall of Fame players um, that that just they constantly saw each other every year and, and he couldn't get past. And I think Toronto's probably the closest thing. But but I'm with you guys too. Like like we said, I, I don't know that you can put Kyle Lowry and Demar Derozan on the same level as a guy like Patrick Ewing, uh, uh, a Reggie Miller, or even a guy like an Alonzo Mourning. So that's tough. All right, let's get into something that Evan will be able to to speak to because he he wasn't uh, a small child. Um, so. Last night, the New Orleans Pelicans in Golden State beat Golden State fairly, fairly convincingly. Uh, Evan, I'll ask you, man, are the Pelicans for real? Uh, yes. <laughs> I think they are. I think they've proven it. I mean, they've looked, they've looked far better than any other, you know, other Western team besides Golden State and Houston. Um, you could argue the Jazz maybe too, but... But just the way they've been able to put things together, you know, I, I'm pretty sure, you know, 90 plus percent of people thought that once Demarcus Cousins got hurt, that they were just, you know, tanked the rest of the But it's been the complete opposite. You know, Drew Holiday has become an integral part of their team. He's playing like the great point guard he is, and that he, people have, you know, wanted him to be for so long. Uh, playoff Rondo is back. They've done a lot. They made a lot of great moves, picking up like uh, Miritich, and you know they've they've just been cruising right now. And, and hopefully this turns into more of a series rather than just the one. You know the classic. Oh, everyone will get one game against the Warriors kind of vibe. But um, yeah, they looked they've looked great, and I think it's it's a little bit worrisome thinking forward to next year as well. Just um, just what they can. Uh, they can do together if they keep cousins. You know, they're a good team, right? Right. Yeah. I, like I think I think what you were pointing out there when you think about those those group that group of teams from three to ten in the West that were all jumbled up together. The Pelicans seem to be the one that's now risen above all of that. And when you look at them, you look at them, they really think, man, that's a that's a pretty legit team. I also think against the Warriors, they and I mentioned this last week on the show. Um, I think they're I think they're just a tough matchup for the Warriors because they've got two guards in Holiday and Rondo uh, who are who are expert defensively um, or expert defense players and, and 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 that sort of neutralizes as much as you can uh, neutralizes that backcourt uh, of Golden State and then they've got Anthony Davis uh, an uber skilled big that's the one thing as we've seen here in Denver. Uh, that's the one thing Golden State tends to struggle with because they they've got you know they've got either Zaza Pachulia who's or or JaVale McGee who's just not not skilled enough not quick enough to handle a guy like Anthony Davis uh, or you've got Draymond Green who's just not tall enough to be able to uh, to be able to overcome that that difference and and that gives them struggles. What about you, Mike? Are you are you on the Pelicans bandwagon or no? Uh, absolutely. How many, how many dishes did Rondo have last night? 21, something like that. Um, I mean, just, yeah, just, just insane. And, and, and several, I I don't know if you saw the game or any of the highlights, but man, I mean, several of those were, were Jokic level, uh, threading the needle type of passes. He was, he was, uh, doing some beautiful stuff last night. Um, you know, Davis, absolutely. Um, and I and I think uh, you know one of the things Evan said about you know hopefully it's not just a, a one second round win and I I totally agree um, and and then I think about you know how many how many second round wins the Nuggets have had in the last uh, you know what fifteen seasons um, and and there's one year they've even gotten that far right so it I mean I, I think they're absolutely for real I actually. The only thing I disagree with uh, Evan and I, I don't know Zach where you're at on. I think they're a better team without Cousins, and I, 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 I mean he's he's an amazing player, but 
I, I think right. I think you kind of muddy the waters with he and he and Davis up front, and I, I'd be interested to see what they played like, frankly, without him over the long haul. Right. Yeah. No. I, I I tend to agree there because look, Cousins was really good this season when he played, uh, but he almost it was almost like Anthony Davis wasn't quite as good, and then when Cousins went out, went out, Anthony Davis was really good. So it's almost like it's 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 just too much, too much of of, of the same thing up there. Uh, in their front court, and and you, an Achilles injury is probably, I mean, every guy I've ever seen go down with an Achilles injury in the NBA, it seems like that's the toughest thing to come back of back from more than an ACL, more than like a broken bone. Though when guys when guys lose that that explosion uh, in their ankle, um, it, it it seems to fundamentally change their game. You know, I think of it, it ends a lot of careers. Now, Cousins is a lot younger than than a lot of these guys. Like when you think about like Kobe when it happened to him, or or Chauncey when it happened to him. You know, uh, those guys were at the back end of their their careers, and so that was just pretty much it. They were done. Demarcus Cousins has a lot to play, a lot left to play. So you hope he can come back. But I worry, man. And Achilles is 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 a whole different beast in in, in and of itself. And then. He's a free agent, and so you've got if you're going to you're gonna you gonna have to gamble, right? Because he's still gonna command a pretty big salary, if not a max salary. So, are you willing to gamble on that when you've been playing so well without him? I don't know, man. I I, I tend to think that that they should probably move on as well and just just kind of see what they've got with this this group that they're going through the playoffs with. Um. All right, let's get to the very last topic here, real quick. Um. With with Golden State losing, uh, Evan, I'll go to you first, man. Is Houston the team to beat in the West? Uh, no, it's still Golden State. Is, you're talking about a team that is like might be the best team ever, and of right. course you can't win every game. So I, I, it's still Golden State. Houston looked great last night too, though. By the way, but but I think it's still Golden State. Still- yeah, Houston. Houston kind of made a statement there um, last night. I think that was that was to show that you know Utah won that game too, and then everybody was, oh, Utah might be, you know, what's what's going to happen? And who knows? Golden State might do the exact same thing uh, to New Orleans now in their game three. It'll be be interesting to see. I tend to agree. I think Golden State is only going to get stronger uh, as Steph Curry gets stronger and gets gets further and further back from his injury. Uh, what about you, Mike? Are you are you thinking Golden State still the team to beat, or, or are you thinking Houston now might be the favorite in the West? I I, I totally agree, and, and and I know it makes for terrible podcasting for everybody <laughs> to be on the same page, but I I, I totally agree. Um, and and even more from the point of as much as I, I love, especially Houston's backcourt, um, I, you know, uh, we've seen Harden's game that 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 bump it out uh, game tends to fade um, in the playoffs at some point or another when they just, they let everybody start to play. Um, Chris Paul as as amazing as he's been in the playoffs has a history of, of a lack of success in the playoffs. I think, you know, that's got to get into a guy's head to a degree. And, and, and Evan's right, man, golden state is still look. they, they didn't play as well this year. They had some letdowns, they had some injuries, but, but they are still, with what they're composed of, they are a historically great team that that is primarily made up of the guys that that you know went seventy three and nine a couple right. of years back and then and then brought in one of the best players in the league and and just tortured everybody. I, I have every reason to think that um, you know Houston Golden State is going to be this year's actual finals, but I, I think Golden State takes it again. Right. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I think I do think Golden State will have a tougher time getting past New Orleans than Houston will have uh, getting past Utah just because of kind of the matchup thing. Um, I would, I you know, I kind of expect uh, Houston to probably wrap this thing up in five uh, against Utah, whereas Golden State, I could see that going six, possibly even going seven. Um, but but ultimately, I think they prevail. And then when the, those two teams play against each other, I think you still have to give the advantage uh, to Golden State just because they're overwhelming talent. All right, that is uh, that is pretty much it. We are right at right up on the time. So, uh, if you guys aren't, make sure to follow us on Twitter. I am at Zach Mikosh. Uh, Mike is at Visible Mike. Evan is at EE Fiala. Uh, also at Denver Stiffs at NBN Radio. That's for nothing but net. Uh, if you are an Instagrammer, uh, I am not. But if you are. Uh, at the Denver Stiffs. Um, I'm also not the social media guy, so there's lots of cool stuff on there. Don't worry. Uh, 
But uh, you can follow us there. And then on Facebook, man, make sure to give us a follow. Uh, give us a like. And if you guys are listening to this podcast, this the podcast version of this show, uh, first of all, why aren't you listening to Nothing But Net Radio? There's great programming and content all throughout the week, all on the NBA, and a lot of different team-specific shows, just like this one, this one with experts on the teams. Uh, it's a great thing to listen to. You can catch it at, at dashradio.com uh, or on the Dash Radio app. Make sure you listen to that. If you are, though, listening to the podcast version, uh, we would appreciate if you subscribe and leave a rating. All right, Mike, Evan, appreciate you guys being on. Thanks, guys. Yep, take care. All right, everybody, we will talk to you next week. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs.